the Beatles had this chant, John, Paul and George, and probably then Stuart and Pete, had this chant, when things weren't going well, which in their world wasn't very often because mostly it was an upward trajectory, but nonetheless, sometimes you know, they would have a bad night or the gig would, you know, didn't work properly or the amps broke or whatever. I say, where are we going, fellas? And they'd go, to the top, Johnny. And I say, where's that, fellas? And they say, to the toppermost of the poppermost. And I say, right. And we'd all sort of cheer up. Where are we going, Johnny? Straight to the top, boys. Oh, yeah? Where's that? The toppermost of the poppermost. Welcome to Toppermost of the Poppermost, November of 1963, Side B. We're on to the American charts. Thank goodness we're only about six weeks away from the Beatles. There are a few gems, but there are some, wow, um, yeah. <laughs> wow, do, do these charts need some life throwing in them? <laughs> yeah. All right, so we start the week of November 2nd. The British charts and the American charts weren't on the same week, which confused Kit quite a bit here. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. We got straightened out. We got straightened out. At number 26, Misty by Lloyd Price. Lloyd Price is an artist that John Lennon very much loved in his first incarnation. The Beatles were big fans of Lottie Miss Claudie and Send Me Some Lovin' and Just Because... This is not of that quality. No. And and also, of course, he did the great song Personality. And yeah, I mean, when he's in that vein, the R&B kind of vein, you know, great. But here he's trying to be a jazz artist and it doesn't work. This is his cover of Misty. You know, we think of it as the Johnny Mathis classic. And for some reason, whoever produced this decided, hey, let's do this in a big band jazz style. First of all, it shouldn't be done that way. doesn't work. And Lloyd Price is not a jazz singer. Yeah, his voice is all wrong for this song. Exactly. And I'm not putting him down. He's a great singer. I like Lloyd Price a lot. I agree with John Lennon. But not everybody can sing that way. Just because you can sing R&B does not mean you can sing any style. And it just doesn't work. I really don't like this arrangement. All right, the other Lloyd Price song, which we didn't mention, is Stagger Lee, which is a song that I love a lot as well. Stagger Lee, that's a fantastic song. It is. Classic. I've even sampled that in one of my own songs. <laughs> oh, cool. On Christmas night, 1895, two men were hanging out in the Bill Curtis Saloon in St. Louis, Missouri. Lee Sheldon, known by many as Stag Lee, was with Billy Lyons as the two men were drinking and enjoying the Christmas night together. However, as the alcohol was kicking in, the discussion between the two men shifted to a heated political debate. The mood quickly soured, resulting in Lyons snatching Lee's hat. Lee demanded that his hat be returned, and Lyons refused to give it back to him. So Stagger Lee took out his revolver and shot Lyons in the abdomen, killing him. Lee was found guilty and convicted of murder. This famous moment in American folklore has lived on in a few ways, though some of the details have been fabricated or changed over the years. The main change in the story changes the argument from a political dispute to a gambling one, and a card game gone horribly wrong. The story of Staggerly has been told down through the years through various musical covers, with one version of the song, sung by Lloyd Price in 1959, 
hitting number one on the Billboard Hot 100. I was standing on the corner At number 42, Your Other Love by Connie Francis. This is an awfully square song. Yes. As people know, and apologies to Connie Francis fans, I'm not a huge Connie Francis fan. Okay, has a little bit of a Spanish flair, maybe. I thought I heard some castanets in there. Maybe. A little bit. I couldn't really tell. I was trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's an okay song. I just felt like it didn't really go anywhere. It makes Doris Day sound hip. Yeah, right. (laughs) What's with the marching drums? (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't really go anywhere. Just not very memorable. I mean, I don't hate it. I'm going to make you laugh here again, Kit. You ready? I'm ready. It cantered along like a horse going through a desert that's got no end. (laughs) I like that. That's a good summary. Very good. We can get a little respite here at number 44, Sam Cooke with Little Red Rooster. This is a great song. Yeah, I'd rather have more of a traditional blues voice singing this because Howlin' Wolf was one of the original singers of this song, and I've heard his version, which is incredible. I think Sam Cooke's voice is a little too smooth for this. However, do you know who the organist is who's playing this? Would that be Billy Preston? That would be Billy Preston. That's right. The one who's imitating the dog and everything, that's Billy Preston. That's why this has got a nice sounding organ to it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) The organ on this is fine. (laughs) Unlike some other songs we're going to hear later on. There are two great versions of this that I do like. My favorite is probably the Howling Wolf that you mentioned, but I love the version that the Stones would do. The dogs begin to bark. The howls begin to howl. Watch out, all you kin folk. My little red rooster's on the prowl. would be great but i mean you know i like this version so i'm the odd man out here have you heard the live version kit that the stones did with eric clapton no 
oh, I'll have to check that out. That is amazing. That is, is really it? good. Where you've oh. got Eric playing all lead solo all over the top of it. Brilliant. Ooh. All right. At number 50, I wonder what she's doing tonight by Barry and the Tamerlanes. Barry was Barry DeVorzon who would write the theme for The Young and the Restless. This is quite an interesting story. This song, I wonder what she's doing tonight. It's kind of nondescript, I think. I mean, it's just sort of a doo-wop-influenced pop. Can't help it if I wonder, wonder what she's doing. Can't help it if I wonder what she's doing. on to compose the theme song for Young and the Restless, the theme from SWAT, and he co-wrote the Eagles song along with Joe Walsh in the city. This may not have been a huge hit, but boy, he'd go on to do great things, didn't he? And just to give us a little Beatles connection, Ringo and the All-Stars did in the city on the second version of the All-Star Band. There you go. There's your connection. All right, we move on to the second week in November. November the 9th, you don't have to be a baby to cry by the Caravels or Caravels. I want to say Caravels, but I could be wrong. And there is a connection here. The song itself kind of reminds me of Mr. Sandman. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. It's sort of charming in that way that it is a bit like Mr. Sandman. It's got some nice harmonies. I don't know if I would listen to this again and again, but it's kind of cute. They are a British group. They come from London. So here's some Brits that are managing to have some chart success in the States. This is a cover. It was originally recorded by Moon Mulligan and then by Jimmy Dorsey's band and then Ernest Tubb. This is me taking note, Kit, to listen to the Jimmy Dorsey version because I like Jimmy Dorsey. Yes, definitely. Check it out. And they would go on to play the Washington, D.C. concert that the Beatles did in 64 with the Chiffons and Tommy Rowe. They were one of the support acts. And the Caravels apparently shared a dressing room with Ringo and Paul. That That must must have been... (laughs) (laughs) You read my mind. I was just going to say, that ought to have been interesting. (laughs) And after that, they would go on to tour Europe with a number of other names that we have spoken of. The Rolling Stones, Del Shannon, mm-hmm. Jerry and the Pacemakers, and some little singer called Cella Black. So lots of connections. All right, at number 63, Lodi Low by Chubby Checker, which is an adaptation 
of an old Woody Guthrie song called Hey Lolly Lolly. And it was also partially about Chubby Checker's wife, Katharina Waters. And it has kind of a hootenanny feeling about it. And it should have been because it was featured in his 1963 album, Chubby's Folk Album. I'm going to have to try to get a hold of this album. I've wow. got to hear this. I've got a girl that I love so. Well, we've talked about this quite a bit. He had to jump on the folk trend, not surfing apparently, but he did jump on the folk trend. It's certainly easy to sing along to. It is acoustic guitar dominated, but that beat is certainly danceable. You could probably do the twist to it. So it's the folk twist, maybe? <laughs> Surfing folk with a bit of a twist. <laughs> That's right. And Hoot Nanny. And don't forget the Hoot Nanny. Joe Lawson in England would do a cover of this song and would actually introduce a dance called the Lottie Low. Oh, well, of course. That caught on. <laughs> but you can still find the moves and how to do it if you want to in the Library of Dance. It was published in a book called Dances for Mods and Rockers. <laughs> Love it. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is the original, the Woody Guthrie song, was done by the Vipers in 1957. That would have been wow. George Martin as well, I think. Yeah, probably. My goodness. At number 64... Dominique by the Singing Nun. We only mention it here because whenever you get a documentary talking about, oh, well, why was 1963 so terrible? They always mention Dominique by the Singing Nun, which would go at or near the top of the charts. I think it did reach number one eventually. I'd really love to hear from our listeners as to why. Why did this song capture American listeners so much? It is kind of a mystery to me. I know some of the theories have been, well, because when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, maybe this was kind of religious and, you know, well, but it came out before then. We're in the second week of November. The yeah. Kennedy assassination would not be for another eight days. Ni chameau, ni diligence, il parcourt l'Europe à pied, Scandinavie ou Provence, dans la sainte pauvreté. Dominique, les techniques s'en allaient tout simplement routiers, pauvres et chantants. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. When you listen to it, it's pretty, I guess, but it's in French. You don't immediately say, oh, yes, this is religious. I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't understand it. You know, I'd love to know from those who were first-generation Beatles fans, you know, why did this song capture the public's imagination so much? Well, find a way to fit it into your next class. You can ask your students. <laughs> yes, I will do that, because I would honestly love to know. At number 68, there's Mary Wells again with what's easy for two is hard for one. This 
was not one of her best. Uh, this was written by Smokey Robinson, not one of Smokey's best compositions, unfortunately. You can definitely hear shades of what would be My Guy, and of course My Guy wouldn't come out till 64, in the tempo and some of the breaks in the instrumentation. And those hand claps. And the hand claps, exactly. So, I mean, you hear shades of what would become that, but definitely not as good. The other thing, though, you'll notice in the song is the theme we have seen so many times as we've gone along in this show, the commitment theme of her saying that she's begging her boyfriend to take her to the preacher man, which should be done because what two can easily do is so hard to be done by one. So the whole issue of commitment, we're in love and I don't want to be alone and let's get married. How many times have we seen this in this show? Although you have to say, were this song to come out a decade later, a song with this title would have a very different meaning. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is very true. But at this time, yeah. it's that same, same theme. Probably Smokey was paying attention to the charts and said, okay, you know, got to write one of these commitment songs because it's what's hot. All right. At number 69, Be True to Your School by the Beach Boys. It's very much a standard Beach Boy song. Older school. It's more of a 50s song. While the tune is unique, it's very much a Chuck Berry lyrical ripoff. Yeah, that's true. Martin, you had some thoughts. I didn't particularly like it, and I think it's probably the lyrics that bugged me. I love the Beach Boys, but this song just, there was something about it that musically I, I sort of saw where they were going to. Like you said, it's got that Chuck Berry almost feel to it. But I just didn't like the lyrics and there was something about the arrangement. It just didn't seem tight to me. Well, they are exceedingly American. I mean, yes. you know, <laughs> the whole thing about, you know, pushing back, pushing back way back and the cheerleaders and the Brits can kind of understand cars and surfing, maybe. But this, it obviously still doesn't reach you in any significant way. No. This is a football game. And by the way, you mentioned the cheerleaders. They were a girl group called the Honeys. Sisters Marilyn and Diane Ruvel, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and cousin Ginger Blake. Now, Brian Wilson had produced some tracks for them. One of their most known singles was called He's a Doll. And they also cut demos for the Shangri-Las. And Brian and Marilyn got married in 1964. Marilyn was Brian's first wife. And they had daughters, Kearney and Wendy, who, of course, went on to found Wilson Phillips. There you go. This isn't one of my favorite Beach Boy songs. And actually, the song features the melody of the University of Wisconsin's fight song. But it's a tribute to Hawthorne High School, which the Wilson brothers attended. And their fight song uses the same melody as a Wisconsin. <laughs> so, yay, Midwest! <laughs> you prefer Tusk if you're going to have a marching band, huh? That's right. <laughs> now you're talking.
at number 78, You're Good for Me by Solomon Burke, right out of the church. Oh my God. When I was listening to this song, I forget who has said this, but it's one of those songs that when you listen to it, you make the stank face. Just saying, oh, he was so good. Just as you said, right out of the church. What a singer he was. Just oozing soul. I love, love his voice. And this is another perfect example of his style. Little girl is true. But I'm not gonna walk out on you. They say you are good for nothing, girl. But I'll stand up and tell the world you're good for me. You're good for me. Solomon Burke would keep Atlantic Records afloat for a good number of years because, I mean, Ray Charles had left at this point. And he should have been even bigger than he was, but he uh, had a comeback album, and I want to say 2005. He did a wonderful song with the Blind Boys of Alabama called None of Us Are Free. That was the big single from the album, and his voice never dimmed. He was quite a bit older when he cut that song, and he still sounded incredible. There's a tenuous link Beatles-wise on that album that you've just mentioned, because it's got Jules Holland on there as well. And, yep. and of course, Jules was one of the interviewers for the Beatles anthology and was a very good friend of George and did Horse to Water with George as well. We will see Solomon Burke a number of times as we continue going through the charts. Over his career, he would have nearly two dozen top 40 hits over 47 years and 15 different record labels. Wow. All right. At number 79, Midnight Mary by Joey Powers. I don't love this song, but it does have an unknown Paul Simon and Roger McGuinn on the album. Yeah, just a really weird story. This was a one-hit wonder, a singer-songwriter. He moved to New York City in 1959, and I don't know how his family had these connections, but through an introduction by family friend Perry Como, (laughs) secured a job (laughs) at NBC. And he was noticed by a songwriter and record producer who signed him to RCA Records. And his original name was Joseph Joe Ruggiero, but changed his name to Joey Powers and released several singles, but no success. So he returned to Ohio State University, and apparently he was originally a wrestler there. He completed his degree and was working as a wrestling coach, but one of his demo recordings that he did while he was with RCA was called Midnight Mary, and this was heard by Paul Simon. And back then he was recording as Jerry Landis. They were Tom and Jerry at the time. Tom and Jerry, exactly. And so he recommended it, to the record label owner, Larry Utel, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And the song, Midnight Mary, had originally been written by Artie Wayne and Ben Raleigh, originally for the Everly Brothers, and they turned it down. And so it was released as a single by the label Amy Records, and this song took off. Went up the charts. And now you mentioned Artie Wayne. I'm going to tell you a story. You can tell me what exactly is wrong with this story. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Here we go. Here's how Artie Wayne describes the recording of Midnight Mary. Mm -hmm. Joey Powers and I were riding into the city from the airport 
listening to a new record by the Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand, on the radio. Suddenly, the announcer interrupts with a terrible, unconfirmed report from Washington. By the time we walk into the studio and see the tears in everybody's eyes, we knew it was true. President Kennedy had been shot. Huh? What's wrong with this story? Uh, didn't I Want to Hold Your Hand come out in 64? No, well, in the U.S. it came out in 64, yeah, right. but it hadn't even come out in the U.K. yet. It was released yeah. on the 29th of November, 1963 oh, in right. the U.K. Yeah, uh, so the sequence of events are not right. As we mentioned, President Kennedy was shot the week prior to that. So uh, what is Artie Wayne remembering here? Yeah, really, I think he's a tad off. Uh <laughs> So then, when this song, when Midnight Mary became a hit, Powers quickly recorded an album during the week of John Kennedy's assassination with musicians including Paul Simon and Roger McGuinn. But I don't think it did very well. And that was it. But interesting story. Yeah, I mean, the song definitely has the pop folk sound of the time. But other than that, I don't know if It's not memorable at all. No. Mm Mm-mm. I can see why the Everly Brothers turned it down. Meet me at Midnight Mary, same place we always go. Meet me at Midnight Mary, and don't let anyone know. All right, at number 81, I Could Have Danced All Night by Benny King. This is the, the Lorna and Lowe song from My Fair Lady. It's a different arrangement. It's slightly more R&B. I don't like it quite as much. I don't either. This sounds weird. I mean, to have it done like this. I mean, this is very awkward. This is from My Fair Lady. There could have been something there. There's a little bit of interesting things throughout. And I mean, it's Benny King, so the vocal is very good. But... Oh, a great singer, but it's just a poor fit. I mean, to try to force I could have danced all night into this like R&B kind of song just didn't work for me. I could have danced, danced, danced. Help me somebody. I could have danced, danced, danced. Let the music keep playing. Could have danced, danced, danced. Oh, 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 all night. I could have danced all night. I could have danced. All right, at number 83, Louie Louie by the Kingsman. Yeah. Classic. We have to love this song. And uh, for the tenuous Beatles connection, the FBI went after Louie Louie. <laughs> I love it because they couldn't understand the lyrics. <laughs> Before they went after John Lennon, they went after the Kingsman. I just love that. Yeah, and if you listen to the original version, which I highly recommend, you can really hear it was an R&B song, and that singer really enunciates Richard Berry, is his name. He enunciates, and of course, the lyrics are nothing, hardly dirty. Louis, Louis. <laughs> 
Every night and days we sail the sea We think of girl constantly On the ship I dream she's there I smell the rose in her hair So I just love that, that the FBI went after the Kingsman because, well, we don't understand what the lead singer is saying, so it must be bad. The, the FBI guys <laughs> came to shows and stood next to the speakers to hear if we're seeing anything bad. The FBI even had a file on the Kingsman, so... <laughs> you could just picture them with notebooks at every concert, like, they'll just pick up one word and go, right, we've got that word, and then gradually <laughs> throughout, you know, like, 40, 50 concerts, they'll eventually have every single lyric and go, yeah, all right, there's nothing wrong with this at all. <laughs> and since Kit likes to mention Chicago, I will have to mention, Louie Louie is the theme that the rice marching owl band plays at halftime it is the theme of the band the marching owl band because rice is such a smallish university they basically go out and do their formations by running out on the field and having all sorts of fun and their theme is louis louis by the kingsman so oh that's cool Number 84, Yesterday and You, Armin's theme by Bobby V. I sit alone in this cafe and I listen to that jukebox play, reminding me of yesterday and you. This was originally a David Seville song, and if you listen to it, it is nothing like the Chipmunks. No. <laughs> Definitely not. I fell asleep listening to the David Seville version. And it's called Armin's Theme. It was named after his wife. It's a shortened name of his wife he wrote this instrumental and i've been trying to find who wrote the lyrics unless it may have been dave seville actually um and it's interesting i don't know i mean it's an okay song i wasn't super excited i mean the most interesting part of the song i thought was for dave seville the dave seville version is not much better but bobby mm -hmm. v doesn't do anything with it yeah it doesn't improve upon the song really but yeah what an interesting thing that he wrote this and i think this was prior to the chipmunks that he wrote this song yeah no no it was like 56 yeah mm -hmm. and, and, you know and david seville actually had a release of the song so it's like yeah you can look up the instrumental it's um, on YouTube, so... Yes. I found it fascinating that Armand's theme by Bobby V is actually produced by Snuff Garrett. Wow. Would that be early in Snuff's production career? I knew he'd done a lot of musician work, studio session work at that point, but I didn't know he'd gone into there at that point. Mm -hmm. 
If you're going to be smack dab in the middle of something, squarely between Paul McCartney and Phil Spector is a pretty good place to be. According to Billboard magazine, that's where you'll find Texas Radio Hall of Fame inductee Snuff Garrett. Many credit Snuff's days on the air in Wichita Falls and Lubbock as the driving force that brought Buddy Holly to the masses. And that's true. But when it comes to bringing hits to radio, he was just getting started. He made the jump from radio to records and found out the money was not made in promotions, but as a producer. And produce he did. Take good care of my baby. You're 16. You're beautiful and you're mine. This diamond ring doesn't shine for me anymore. And this diamond ring doesn't mean what it did before. Hell free. That's all I ever Snuff Garrett, a 2015 inductee of the Texas Radio Hall of Fame. All right, at number 90, a figure who we will become familiar with. And, you know, we've been talking about folk light. We're moving into the genuine folk era. We Shall Overcome by Joan Baez. This was a gospel song that became a protest song and an anthem of the civil rights movement. Joan Baez had such a soaring voice. The 63 version that made the charts was a recording from Miles College in Birmingham, Alabama. And she would, of course, sing this as well at the March on Washington. But this is the recording that made the charts. And what a gorgeous, gorgeous version this is. And to hear the crowd singing with her, just stunning. We are not afraid. We are You're absolutely right, Ed. This is the beginning of moving away from the folk pop uh, that we've been talking about in 62 and 63 and moving into protest folk. And to plug our good friend Ken Womack and his Everything Fab Four podcast, he just recently had a special episode with Joan Baez. Yeah, go check that out. The other thing I want to mention with regards to Joan Baez, right around the same time she did a song called All My Trials. Oh, oh that's yes. right. A song which Paul McCartney would cover during the 89-90 tour and release a single on it. But the interesting thing about All My Trials is Paul McCartney says that he nicked a chord from Joan Baez's version for I'll Get You. Mm-hmm. It was on an album I had by Joan Baez. There's only one thing that money can't buy. It's like D, which goes into an A minor, which is unusual. You'd normally go from a D to an A major. It's a change that had always fascinated me, so I put it in. Hmm, interesting. Kind of cool. All right, at number 98, 
I'm down to my last heartbreak by Wilson Pickett. Now, I love Wilson Pickett. This isn't one of his best, in my opinion. Um, it sounds slightly swamp popish in terms of the tempo and the I'm ripping my heart out kind of lyrics. Um, and he sings this with his usual passion, no doubt about it. But it's just not one of his more memorable songs. Just not one of his standouts. Yeah, it's good enough. I wouldn't skip it if it came on my streaming or whatever. It's like, okay. But I wouldn't seek it out. Yep, exactly. Good summary. At number 100, As Long As I Know He's Mine by the Marvelettes. Guess what? Yet another commitment song. Exactly. And I hate to do this because you know how much I love Smokey Robinson. But boy, this was not one of his better compositions. (laughs) It's just a very strange song. The Babaloo, Babaloo, Babaloo. What is that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why was that background vocal chosen? The lyrics, and again, this is smoky. Tracks of my tears, tears of a clown. I mean, great, great songwriter writing, doesn't matter if the wind don't blow, doesn't matter if the snow don't snow. The snow don't snow? As long as- <laughs> well, you know, what rhymes with snow? Yeah. Blow, show, Go. grow. <laughs> I just wanted this song to go. Yeah. <laughs> when that line came up, doesn't matter if the snow don't snow, I physically winced. I thought, oh no. The the backing vocals were strange. The lyrics needed work. You know, it, it just really was not very good. And, you know, and this is the Marvelettes, you know, great. I mean, when they're on their game harmonically and all, they're a terrific girl group. And it's just the song didn't do them any justice. So, Thankfully, Smokey would get back on his game. I mean, you know, this is a this is a rare misstep. <laughs> Bobaloo, Bobaloo. <laughs> Wait till later when we've got a Smokey Robinson and the the miracle song that's not written by Smokey that is better. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So we move on to the next week, November the sixteenth. At number 73, Dion. It's a Libra and Stoller song. It's okay. It's very much your standard Dion sort of vocal and uh, nothing really new here, but it's not bad. Martin, take it away. 
<laughs> yeah, basically all I put was, it's not Libra and Stoller's best, but it's okay. Basically what Ed just said. It's, it's all right. It was um, originally recorded by the Drifters, and I think you can tell. And you can definitely tell it's Libra and Stoller by the lyrics, by the arrangement. And by the way, the backing group is the Del Satin uh, vocal group that recorded quite a bit with Dion, but a lot of other groups as well. And they have been described as having few peers as practitioners of white doo-wop. <laughs> so they were very well known in their genre. Yeah, I mean, it's an okay song. <laughs> That's all we can yeah. say about it. I'd rather uh, listen to this than the next song. I agree. Here we go. I, I don't hate this next song as much as you guys do, but... Uh, <laughs> The song at number 80 is Bad Girl by Neil Sedaka, so I'll get mine out of the way. It's okay. it's good enough. It has enough of the good Neil Sedaka touches that I can listen to it. That organ is something uh, a bit different, though. <laughs> oh, it's different. <laughs> it's different. I agree with that. Again, let's see the lyrics. Now I get it; it's of the time, but the whole thing about <laughs> being a bad girl—he doesn't really specify what makes her so bad. It's just so funny to me. I like how Neil takes on the role of like the friends, telling him with a slightly higher voice that she's no good and leave her alone, and and then he defends her honor and and. To me, it borders on parody. I just thought it was really funny. And I will quote my mother again, who said, that's a throwaway. She said it again. <laughs> bad boy over bad girl any day. Huh? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Martin? You've said it all. And Ed mentioning that organ. I got that in capital letters. Oh, my God, that organ. That's what I put. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. That organ. Good Lord. At number 91... Trini Lopez with Kansas City. No, hey, hey, hey. Boy, can Trini Lopez pronounce words. That's about all I have to say about his <laughs> cover of the song. <laughs> can he pronounce words? You know, I mean, to me, this was like the lounge version <laughs> of Kansas City. Like, the band sounds fine. He's a decent singer. Decent guitar solo. It sounds so tame compared to to little richard or paul mccartney exactly this to me as i said it's like if you were seeing him in a lounge and he was like okay everybody let's let's go let's rock out now and you know i mean it just sounds like a little square all that is in part because of the enunciation yeah. i am going to kansas city <laughs> kansas city here i come you know <laughs> michael buble wants his arrangement back yeah right <laughs> Train. I take a plane, but if I have to walk, I'm gonna fly there just the same. Yeah. Kansas City, here I come. That's right. Maybe that's it. Maybe it is the pronunciation. I mean, it just, yeah, it, it just sounded like he was singing to a bunch of senior citizens or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry to. Trini Lopez is great. I, I buy it a hammer, great, like that a lot. But this just sounded 
very, just too tame. I mean, if you're going to sing Kansas City, you've got to have that grit. You've got to have the energy. Yeah, you don't sing Kansas City. (laughs) (laughs) And then his accent also comes through, and that's just not quite right either. That didn't bother me as much. As I said, he just sounded way too tame and kind of like, just kind of borderline cheesy. All right, at number 92, an Ellie Greenwich tune. I have a boyfriend by the Chiffons. Guess what? Yet another commitment song. Yes. Oh, boy. The middle eight even has wedding bells, which is like, oh, boy, that's cornball. Subtle. I wasn't a fan of. I mean, I again, I understand it was the time period, but oh my gosh, the lyrics just make me cringe. Someday I know we'll walk down the aisle so much in love wearing a smile every time we kiss goodnight. Feels so good to hold him tight. Oh, oh, I'm so glad I have a boyfriend. I have a boyfriend. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I have a boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that saved this record is the guitar. The guitar is pretty good. Yeah. I yep. like the guitar, so... But, oh my gosh, the lyrics are so trite. They really are. I mean, you know, and I feel bad if it's the Chiffons, another great girl group. They deserve so much better. I mean, they had such great songs otherwise. But, again, it's just yet another, as you said, commitment song. All right, so we move on to the week of November the 23rd. At number 75, Quicksand by Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. Finally, a really good song. Wow. Finally. (laughs) Yeah, I like this a lot. We're all in agreement with this. Got Martha and the Vandellas. You already have a winning group. And Holland Dozier Holland, songwriting team extraordinaire. I love this. The beat on this is just so infectious. It sounds a bit like Heat Wave. But not enough to be a ripoff. Exactly. It's not a clone. This just makes you want to get up and dance. It is so good. Benny Benjamin on drums. The drumming is incredible. You've got James Jamerson on bass. You just can't go wrong. It's a banger, Martin. It is. All right, at number 79, I Need to Belong to Someone by Jerry Butler. A Curtis Mayfield song was released on VJ. It hurts to be known as no one Will ever some sweet girl Bring love into my world Cause I need to belong to someone I like this. Um hmm. You know, it's I, okay. Yeah. It, it's not quite good enough for me to call it good. You know, it may be a little bit better than okay. I can definitely hear Curtis in this song. It's a little people get ready reminiscent. I mean, those chords, you know, the chord changes. I mean, it's 
pure Curtis. And I really liked uh, Jerry Butler's voice on this. I mean, he was such a great singer. And Chicagoan, yay. You know, and of course, he was a former member of the Impressions. Uh, he and Curtis Mayfield go way back. Makes perfect sense that they'd work together. Yeah, I'm not saying it's his best song. I mean, it's not only The Strong Survive or one of his big hits, but it's a nice soul ballad but I, I kind of liked it the rhythm guitar on this sounds very much like curtis's playing to me so i wouldn't be surprised if he's doing a lot of the instrumentation on this could be now a couple of songs oh my goodness <laughs> uh the next two songs uh, at number 84 the impossible happened by little peggy march now you know we talked about her and we've discussed a number of her songs all i can say about this is no yeah, I saw that in your notes. You just put no. But ha ha ha, I got the last laugh, baby. How about that? The impossible happened. The impossible happened. They told me not to open my eyes, but I did. I didn't care for this. The chorus with all the ha ha ha's. Uh, didn't we give another song? In an episode where the chorus uh, was... We did indeed, yes. Yeah, forget which one it was that had ha-ha-has. I mean, what is this? Was this a trend? If so, not a good trend. And I love the wedding march at the end that they worked in, and I say that sarcastically, that I loved it. The impossible I think this peaked at number 57. That's probably higher than it deserved. Some people have bad taste, Kit. Yes, <laughs> I think so. And poor little Peggy March. I mean, I will follow him. What a great song that was. She just didn't get good material to follow Yeah, I think that. she just didn't have good advisors. I mean, obviously, her money was all taken away. But oh, yeah. as far as her career goes, there wasn't someone who was available to say, this is a song you should do. Yeah, exactly. And she wasn't in any position, probably, to say, I'm not recording that. Too bad. Okay, at number 90, it's a Bobby Darren song called Be Mad, Little Girl. The vocal is good. Bobby yeah. Darren can sing. We know that. But, again, no. Pure cheese and what's with the you chicken thing? Okay, thank you. That's the first thing I was going to ask. So they were singing You Chicken. I was hearing that correctly? I believe so. Because I was looking it up. I'm like, am I, am I hearing things or are they singing You Chicken? What? What? <laughs> it's either that or You Checking. Telling us what we got to do. like he's trying to imitate to some degree the brill building song but boy it doesn't work yeah his voice is fine bobby darren had a great voice but wow that you chicken it's no thing. splish splash no not no. even close i mean even on bobby darren fan pages 
even they say this was a lost single. I think they call it like it's not on a lot of collections of his. I can't understand why. <laughs> Shock. I'm just shocked at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. To clear our palate, here's a good single by someone that has very quickly become one of my favorites. Rumble by Jack Nishi. It's a cover of the Link Ray song. He's doing it very much in the wall sound style. It's a great cover. You can really hear Phil Spector's influence on this. Boy, does it have a big sound of the, the horns, the strings, the guitar. It's fascinating to hear. Wow. I love the Link Ray version, but I love this version as well. Agreed. <laughs> Number 92, that miracle song that you were referring to, I Gotta Dance to Keep From Crying. This just started that I'd already listened to a couple of smoky writings for other people before now, and I was pretty much like yourself, Kit, thinking, oh, God. I wasn't looking forward to this because this was up a bit later, and I think, oh, no, come on, Smokey, come on, do something <laughs> good for me. And then this started, and I just thought, he's oh, like a breath of fresh air as soon as it started and you've got the classic Holland Dozier Holland really in their prime at this point as they've already got quicksand and then they've got this and I just thought oh great we've got something that's better than we've had so far it's not one of the greatest songs in the Miracles catalogue but it is a good song Gather I mean, it's got that same feel as Mickey's Monkey, that fun party feel to it. I agree. It's not one of their all-time classics, but yeah, definitely an improvement <laughs> over other Motown songs we've been hearing. Of. Well, not all. We've heard some good ones on this episode, but it's a lot of fun. But of course, when you listen to the lyrics, it's a different story. You hear this party atmosphere, but the course, as the title suggests, it's, you know, he's got to dance to keep from crying. It's sort of like Tears of a Clown in a, in a way, you know, hiding the heartbreak. And so, yeah, it's a really interesting song. It's really good. And while I like the Miracles version, uh, apologies to Smokey fans, I prefer the high numbers oh, version. Yes. You're saying who are the high numbers? The high numbers became the who. The who, that's right. They covered this. They do a bit rockier version of the tune. And that is my preferred version of this song. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. At number 95, Lena Horne with Now, another Curtis Mayfield song. Yes. And this is when she was in a period where she was becoming more politically conscious and wanted to record more socially conscious uh, songs. And this was one of them. It's really interesting. As you said, Curtis Mayfield wrote this. Now, no, 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 hesitating. Now, 
It's a good record, but I have to admit, I don't quite get the repurposing of the tune of Have an Aguila. Quite a departure from her jazz and, and great American songbook material. And I admire the sentiments behind it, for sure. I'm not a big fan of the song. And this is certainly <laughs> as political as she would ever get in yeah. her career. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it's okay. I mean, she does it well. My God, it's Lena Horne. You know, had one of the most incredible voices ever. But the lyrics were a little, not subtle, I guess I would say. This was not an era to be subtle in. True, true. No, Curtis was never subtle. That's true. Yeah, he was not known for that. That is true. But again, I admire the sentiments behind it, and her voice is terrific. At number 96, Alley Alley Oxen Free by the Kingston Trio. Once again, something which might have come from the Mighty Wind soundtrack. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Good shout. (laughs) Time to make our minds up if the world at last will be. I see where they were going with this. I mean, it's about the environment. It's about peace. And interesting to play on the the idea, of course, of the child's game and that when you say Ali Ali oxen free, if you're playing hide and seek and all it's when you say that, that everybody comes out and it's safe. It's a time that everybody is safe and free and, you know, everybody can come out and all without penalty. And also, I mean, it's an interesting idea, but it's also a little heavy handed. It's not terrible. It's just, as you said previously, borderline parody. Yeah, exactly. Not great. All right, at number 98, Cuando Caliente al Sol, When the Sun is Hot. Hey, I've done Spanish and I've done German in this show. Hey! Steve Allen and his orchestra with the Copacabana Trio. It was very much a trend, the Latin thing at this time. And the real reason I mentioned this is the Spanish version was originally by the Ray Charles Singers. No, not that Ray Charles. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's different. This, different this Ray Charles was part of the Perry Como show. Mm-hmm. It's a good enough tune, not hugely memorable. I do like that there's a song from Steve Allen in the yeah. charts. Yeah, that Steve Allen these days, I think, is mainly remembered for his comedy and for The Tonight Show. But yeah, he was a composer as well. Composed the theme for The Tonight Show originally. You know, he released a number of albums, and this is one of them. And yeah, definitely goes along with the Latin trend. Yeah, somewhat easy listening, I would say. Didn't really grab me exactly. But yeah, it's kind of neat to have a Steve Allen record on the chart. And it very much fits in with the kind of thing that was going on on like Playboy After Dark. 
Yes. It's exactly the sort of song that Hugh Hefner would have on that show. That's very true. If you're a guy, you probably want a smoking jacket and a martini listening to this. <laughs> you know, that's not the first mention of that show that I've heard this week. Yeah. Anything you want to reveal? Or- <laughs> it's nothing at all to do with the chart. I think three days ago, it was the anniversary of, in 1968, the first performance was on that show of the band Deep Purple. Huh. And then just to bring this back around, there is an episode of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel where she is performing in Miami, and she and Lenny Bruce go to see a taping of Playboy After Dark, although they neither call it that nor do they have Hugh Hefner, but you know they weren't going to pay Playboy Enterprises for the rights, but that's clearly where they are. There you go. <laughs> All right, at number 99, Pain in My Heart by Otis Redding. Oh my God, this is another song where I did the stank face. <laughs> this is, oh man, Otis. I mean, nobody could sing like him. Oh my gosh. I mean, he sings the hell out of this ballad. Come back, come back, baby. A little pain in my heart Just won't let me be Wake up restless nights Lord, and I can't even sleep I loved this. When he sings Pain in My Heart, you feel the pain in his heart. I just love this. And, of course, you get incredible band behind him, Booker T. Jones on organ and piano. You get Steve Cropper on guitar. The best musicians. I love Otis Redding. I cannot believe this song only reached number 61 on the charts. That may be when it came out. Here it is. This was November the 23rd. So, I mean, this chart wouldn't have been affected by the Kennedy assassination. But right. The next week, who was buying records that week? Yeah, that's true. But it's like, Sugar Sugar reached number one, and this reached number 61? Give me a break. <laughs> There's no justice. Do you know who wrote this, Kit? I don't. Alan oh, Toussaint. I should have known. Under, under the pseudonym of Naomi Neville. He used to use a pseudonym of either his father or mother's first names and then mm-hmm. put Neville at the end so that he could get songwriter credits just use those names as pseudonyms to write songs. And this was written under the pseudonym of Naomi Neville after his mother's name. And Alan Toussaint wrote this. Oh, my gosh. I should have known. That's why it's so good. Oh, wow. That is so cool. Thanks for telling me that. I didn't know that. And, oh. and Alan Toussaint would be one of Paul McCartney's favorites when he went to New Orleans in the 70s. Yep, indeed. Monday's child has learned to tie his bootlace. to the final week of November 1963, November the 30th, at number 72, there's a song which should sound awfully familiar to all of us, Stewball by Peter, Paul, and Mary. It's an old 
folk song about a racehorse. And, well, uh, John Lennon clearly had heard the song. I thought this was a Christmas song. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Stuvo was a racehorse And I wish he were mine He never drank water He always drank wine So this is Christmas The tune had been around. Uh, it wasn't original to Peter, Paul, and Mary, but the arrangement of the Peter, Paul, and Mary and John's arrangement of Happy Christmas, well, they're a little bit close. Yeah, I mean, this song actually dates back to the 18th century, and then Woody Guthrie recorded it, and, you know, Lead Belly has recorded it. But the earlier versions aren't quite so exact. No, and lyrics have changed over time. I mean, the Weavers have done it. Lonnie Donegan has done a version. And Peter Paul Mary's version is different because their lyrics are from a different perspective where the singer wishes he had bet on Stewball, whereas other versions have had the narrator encouraging others to bet and their version as the racehorse who has the preference for wine. I mean, you know, there have been a lot of different versions over time of this song. I had no idea it went back that far. That's pretty amazing. And then even non-Beatle people will know the tune because throughout our childhood in the 80s, childhood and early teenage years, for close to a decade, it was the theme to the Jamaica Tourist Board. Come back to Jamaica. Oh my God, I never thought about that. You're right. It is exactly the same tune. Wow. (laughs) Totally didn't think of that. Those commercials were literally, particularly on the independent TV stations, those were like literally every break. All right, at number 75, You're No Good by Betty Everett. The original was by uh, Dee Dee Warwick. And of course, the, the one that everybody knows these days is the Linda Ronstadt version. Yeah, I love this version. Betty Everett just sang the hell out of this. love this. I can't believe this didn't do that well. Betty Everett would then release the Shoop Shoop song. It's in his kiss and everybody knows that. But this was the single before it and I love her version. Great vocals. She sang this with the right amount of sass and soul and and just grit. I love it. It's on par with the Linda Ronstadt version. It's arguable which one is better. Yeah, hard to say. I love the Van Halen cover version. 
<laughs> on Van Halen 2. That's quite a bit different. <laughs> Very different. Faster Than Boys by The Cookies, written by Keller and Goffin, arranged by Carol King, and produced by Jerry Goffin. Oh, boy. <laughs> I did not care for this. This was another kind of let's throw everything in and see what happens. I mean, I thought the awkward doo-wop that was sort of shoehorned in, the weird, you know, bomb, 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 you know. <laughs> I think the cookies tried. And I'm not blaming them. They were told what to do. There were some strangely placed sax riffs in there. Not the sax solo in the middle. That was okay. But there were just some riffs throughout that were kind of oddly placed. And the lyrics at one point when the lead singer is talking about trying to entice the guy and, and listing her measurements. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Jerry Goffin, I can understand. Jerry Goffin was, well, he was a bit of a misogynist. We know yep. that. I mean, if I had been Carol King, I would have been like, you are taking that out now. <laughs> that was just awful. That's what she had to offer her measurements. So yeah, the lyrics were pretty bad. You know, and as I said, I'm not blaming the cookies. It's all Jerry yes, Goffin's fault. Well, absolutely. Uh, apologies to Jerry Goffin fans out there. Yeah. <laughs> we love Jerry Goffin. We love Goffin and King, but... This was not good. I didn't care for this one either. That's as, as much time as I'm going to give that one. <laughs> Another no. All right, at number 83... Marty Robbins begging to you, which we have, we've discussed Marty Robbins before. This is kind of a laid back country song. He even gets into a little bit of Frank Ifield style yodeling. Yes, he does. Uh, this was one of his biggest hits. Definitely a classic country ballad. And he had a beautiful voice. I wasn't insane about the slight yodeling, but that's just my personal taste. I'm just not a big fan of that. That's what you want Anyway, it must make you happy to make me so blue. What a pitiful sight I must be tonight, begging to you. 
I like the rest of his vocal performance on it. I mean, he really had a beautiful, beautiful voice. I like uh, the acoustic guitar work on this as well. I might have liked the tempo upped a little bit. It's just a little mm-hmm. bit too laid back for my taste. Yeah, this was one of his biggest hits. He continued to perform it for uh, much of his career. It went to number one on the country chart, and it did well on the pop charts as well. All right, at number 85, the Supremes are finally going to shake off that no-hit Supremes label. When the love light starts shining through his eyes, first off, what's the deal with Supremes and these exceedingly long titles? Yeah, this is a great example of Holland Dozier Holland. And this is, I believe, the Supremes' first collaboration with Holland Dozier Holland. And this is an example, I think, of how they learned how to write for the Supremes. This did well for the Supremes in that this was their first top 40 hit. But too long a title, too long a phrase for the refrain. And I think overall this recording is too busy. There's too much going on. are just not catchy compare this to baby love you can't hurry love come see about me simple those are simple phrases they get to the point the arrangement on those tracks much simpler than this they're not simplistic but they don't have everything but the kitchen sink you can very much hear the development of the eventual supreme style yes oh for sure you can hear some like in the percussion and things like that you can hear some glimmers of it here but definitely they have a little ways to go but that title i just thought oh my gosh what a what a mouthful it's not something you remember but i just think when you think about when they'd have their hits how much simpler those titles would be those you remember the four tops sang uh, backup along with holland dozier holland as I said, too busy and not catchy. I can see why it wasn't a big hit. Well, it got to number 20. There's a little change in the beat. You hear the drums just directing things a little bit right around two minutes. Mm. And I really, really like that. Mm-hmm. And number one, I put, why isn't this song just called Love Light? Mm-hmm. Short title, grabs your attention. There, yep. like that. And then that note that I'd put, I didn't write down where it was in the song, but I actually wrote, why hasn't it been like this up till now? And and that must have been what Ed was on about, where it just, that, there's that thing with the drums. And that's where I suddenly thought, where's this been up till now? Yeah. Well, Holland, Dozier, Holland, they were getting there with the Supremes, but... Still had a little ways to go. and no, Not at all bad first effort, though. Not bad. They were getting there. Certainly better than the other singles that the Supremes had put out. At number 87, we've got the Chad Mitchell trio with the Marvelous Toy. All I can think listening to this song is, is this what inspired Chuck Berry to write my dangling? <laughs> <laughs> it's got all the same elements as you know. <laughs> 
My grandmother gave me a cute little toy. <laughs> oh my god. Apparently this was one of the Chad Mitchell trio's biggest hits. <laughs> it really was. And I guess they never cleared up what the damn toy was. It's something that goes buzz and beeps and and for some reason in the middle it turns itself over and it's got two green buttons on its uh <laughs> posterior. Yep. I never knew just what it was, and I guess I never will. The first time that I picked it up, I had a big surprise. For right on its bottom were two big buttons that looked like big green eyes. I first pushed one, then the other, then I twisted its lid. And when I set it down again, here is what it did. It went zip when it moved, but when it stopped, whirr, when it stood still. I never knew just what it was, and I guess I never will. They probably waited until they got home and got their other halves to, to tell them what the marvelous toy was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, at number 90... Come Dance With Me by Jay and the Americans, produced by Lever and Stoller. That's 50s leftovers. Jay and the Americans are okay. They're not one of my favorite bands. The song, it's all had at this point. I mean, it sounds like Save the Last Dance for Me, part two, in a way. You are here in my arms, say goodbye to the guy Leave all your charms in my Quite a ripoff. Not quite a ripoff, but close. Uh, definitely sounds like a drifter's leftover from the 50s. And yeah, that's all right. I wouldn't turn it off immediately if it came on the radio, but not a standout. I like come a little bit closer, way better than this, for sure. All right, at number 93, Baby What's Wrong by Lonnie Mack. We mentioned his For Me to You cover at the top of side A. He can do no wrong on the guitar. Yep, I love this. You know, you definitely see how he was Stevie Ray Vaughan's idol. You can hear the tasty southern rock guitar here, and you know, and how he would really help invent that genre, basically. Some soulful backing singers, and he sings lead on here. He's got a great voice, too. And I think we've said this about Lonnie Mac before. This record does not sound like it's from 1963. It just kind of has a timeless quality. If you play it to someone who doesn't know, they would probably guess about 1974. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's astounding. I love this. This is one of my favorite records from this month. Considering what we've had so far this yeah. month. But. <laughs> Still. Number 94, Ricky Nelson with Today's Teardrops. It's a song written by Gene Pitney. Roy Orbison had the first cover of it in 1960. 
Hello, Mary Lou, part two. Yeah, it's not one of his more memorable ones. Definitely country influence. Ricky Nelson could sing country tinge songs well. And I liked the piano in this. Kind of a boogie-woogie sort of piano style. But other than that, it's not one of his most memorable tracks. Yeah, I mean, Roy's version is better, but it's still not one of Roy Orbison's best. No. Orbison's version, he had a lot of Pitney affectation to his voice, and mm-hmm. and I think Ricky Nelson does the same thing on his version. Okay. And Billy J would cover this on the BBC in 1965. Hmm. Billy J Kramer and the Dakotas sign up for the song called "Today's Teardrops." Today's teardrops are tomorrow's rainbows and tomorrow's rainbows. I will share, share with you. So dry. So we close out the American charts for November of 1963 with Sammy Davis Jr., The Shelter of Your Arms. Until the day I die. I this song was pretty successful for him. This was considered kind of a modern song. He recorded this album, also called The Shelter of Your Arms. There were a number of other covers that he recorded, but he wanted some new material as well, and this was one. Don't love the song. I love his voice. Look for his medley of Beatles covers that he did in Vegas. Uh, Not that it's great, but he just puts such energy into it. Yeah, I mean, he was a performer like no other. Now, interestingly, this song, the songwriters listed as Jerry Samuels. Well, that was a pen name for Gerald Lawrence Samuels, who also was known under the pseudonym Napoleon XIV, who was the one-hit wonder singer-songwriter of They're Coming to Take Me Away, Ha Ha, Baby, Ho Ho. We have to mention it. Paul McCartney says that that song would influence Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, you're kidding. The whole coming to take me away thing. Paul McCartney goes, oh, "Oh, yeah, I got that from They're Coming to Take Me Away. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so funny. So, yep, the same guy wrote The Shelter of Your Arms. (laughs) Wow. We will close out our mission with Sammy Davis Jr. When Ringo hosted uh, Saturday Night Live in December of 1984, right after the opening credits, he did a medley with Billy Crystal 
in blackface as Sammy Davis Jr., uh, something which would never be allowed to happen today, but it is also amazingly funny. Yes. I kind of remember that. Sammy Davis Jr. Naked. Look at that, Sammy in the sky with diamonds. You know. Well, it's great to see you again, Sammy. Mr. Starkey, they're gonna put me in the movies. Uh huh, Ben. They're gonna make a big star out of me. I'll be the biggest cat who ever hit the big time. I gotta be me. I gotta be me. Find the light. Sell it, babe. Oh, I gotta be me. Daring to try to do it or die. I loved it. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. What the hell does that mean, man? He let us in. Uh-huh. Knows where we've been. Atlas Scholar with Frank. Our little hideaway beneath the waves. This is so, this is so, so tasty, man. Yeah, you, that would never fly today. But yes, I do remember that. That it was pretty funny. <laughs> All right. So that is the American charts for November of 1963. The Kennedy assassination certainly affected the American public, but these charts may have affected the American public a little bit as well. (laughs) In in numerous ways, but things will soon change. September, we said, was okay. October was slightly better. Things have just fallen off a cliff here. There's maybe two or three really good songs on the American charts. The people with good taste were being kept away from uh, going out and buying records, obviously. For the most part. All right. So we will be back soon with December, the last month that the Beatles are not on the American charts. We will also see the rise of I Want to Hold Your Hand over on the British side. All right. See you next time. Take care. There was a piece in the NME, a news piece, that said the Top Rank Records, remember when Top Rank had a record label? Yeah, they introduced an LP series next week that will be called Toppermost. And it's coinciding with their current advertising slogan, Toppermost of the Poppermost. Yes, I thought, they got it from somewhere. They saw that, they must have seen that in either the NME or Record Mirror or Disc, Record and Show Mirror as it was then. And they've taken it from there. They've obviously thought, how stupid that is. How stupid is it's one of those phrases that someone, an older person who doesn't understand teenagers, comes up with a slogan that they think is going to be the hip slogan of the month. Toppermost of the poppermost.